Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to PR360. Today with me, uh, we have Helen Neal, who is the founder of HN Communications, a thought leadership consultancy that helps global businesses and NGOs tell the world what they believe in and stand for. HN has a global reach and works with some of the world's best-known brands, leading the way on the <laughs> leading the way on the road to net zero, including Bosch and Asahi. Helen is also the host of the Leaders Live podcast, an online thought leadership platform that brings together businesses, government, and NGOs to debate the biggest challenges facing our world today. Uh, Helen, is there anything that I missed? No, I think you've got it all right. I think that was perfect. Whew, okay, first first challenge. Pressure off. All right. <laughs> Very good here. So uh, as the host of the Leaders Live podcast, uh, what are the issues surrounding sustainability that cause kind of the liveliest baits and debates and discussion? Well, I, th- I think that's a great first question, actually. And do you know what? I think, I think one of the things that always sparks a lively debate is around technology and what's right and what's wrong. So there's a lot of debate around, is this one technology going to be the the kind of golden goose that's going to solve all of our problems? Um, And I think a lot of people have some very clear views in terms of what's going to work and what's what's not. Um, So take EVs, for example. And I've worked in the EV industry for a long time. Previous to my uh, current jobs, I used to work in the corporate world and worked for Nissan um, as part of my role, kind of bringing electric vehicles to market. I'm a big advocate of EVs. um, But lots of people have very clear views. You're either in the kind of EV camp or you might be in the hydrogen camp or you might think that there's going to be something completely different. And there are some people that are absolutely adamant that petrol and diesel and all of those fuels are still going to stay. So I think there's, it becomes quite divisive. Um, and certainly, you know, I think taking the view of, you know, EVs not necessarily going to solve all of our problems and looking at a range of technologies is definitely the camp that I sit in, even though I, I drive an EV, you know, and as I said, I'm a big supporter of EVs, but it's not going to be the full solution. But you might, you tend to find that there are some, some individuals and some organizations that are absolutely militant that there's going to be one technology over the other. And that does spark a lot of debate. But, you know, I, I support that, you know, and I think it's really healthy. You know, we live in this world today of, you know, what is often very much a kind of cancel culture and, um, you know, people sort of not wanting to say how they feel. And I think actually being able to, have this spirit of debate is actually ultimately how we all move forward in society, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, you, you know, being able to sit down as adults and kind of share our different views and kind of come to some form of collaboration and agreement is actually how we, we drive solutions forward. No, I, I love that approach that you're taking to things. And uh, to, to drop back a second, you're they were talking about like the idea of like there being like, you know, a golden goose, that there's going to be kind of one way out of this global solution, which that seems a little narrow minded, you know, because what what big, great global problems have we ever, ever solved with just one thing? You know, it's like uh, COVID 
big problem. Lots of different things came together for us to finally get past it. You know, you had vaccines, and then you had social distancing, and you had, you know, you had a whole uh, melange of different things that came together to solve it. So, yeah, I, I would think that the the better solution would be bringing a bunch of minds together, take a bit of this, take a bit of this. Um, personally, I drive um, an EV, and I love it. And But it's also... My wife has a gas car, and if we have to go somewhere really far, we take the gas car. If not, we try to bump around in the EV, right? So we're, we're yeah, 70% sure. there, and we can still live our lives as we see fit. So as somebody works for, you know, obviously you started HN Communications, and you help businesses and NGOs tell their story. Uh, what's the biggest problem that businesses tend to have in telling their story to everyone? I think... So often, businesses tend to struggle with the fact that for so long, they have been used... When, when it comes to PR and communications, it has always been driven by selling the product, often. Um, and so that, that, you know, that mindset of using kind of positive information and of what who they are and what they stand for, and using that as a means in which to perhaps sell their product, sell their business in a, in a promotional way, I think... I think lots of businesses are still in that traditional mindset. When we work with businesses, we always say, look, you know, don't work with us if you want us to help you sell your product. That's not what we do. You know, when we work with businesses, we we look at um, working with them to take all of the kind of actionable work they're doing around sustainability and purpose and helping them to share that honestly and authentically. And I know we talk a lot these days about authenticity and truth and all of these good things. But I think, I don't think businesses intentionally intend to um, kind of skip around the truth or kind of massage the truth. But I think they're just used to kind of painting things in a, in a really kind of PR type lens. And I think actually what, what is changing and what works really well is when businesses put their hand up and say, do you know what? Sustainability and getting to net zero is hard. It's costly. It's challenging. We haven't got all of the solutions. We're, we're doing what we can, but we, we're going to keep going uh, and we're going to get things wrong. And being able to share the things that are going wrong as much as the things are going right, that's where you get the real learning. And I think businesses can help one another so much more when you put more of that on the table for one another to help learn from. So I think that's the angle that we we try and come at. But it's a journey for a lot of businesses, you know, and it, it can be frightening for them to kind of expose themselves a little bit to being more open about the challenges that they've got around sustainability and, and where they're not doing so well. You know, it, it, that's okay as long as you've got a plan and a commitment to kind of keep moving forward. How do you kind of get past that pushback that you, you probably get? Because it, it probably seems antithetical to any company to want to go, oh, hey, look, we screwed up here. Uh, even when it's something they're trying to do that's altruistic, right? You know, it's like, sure. why get into that? You know, but uh, how, do you, how do you address that when someone goes, well, I don't think we want to tell that side of the story? <laughs> well, firstly, I think we do our due diligence in the first place. And we're very honest. We say, look, you know, if you if you're looking for an organization to help you, you know, promote your business and, it, you know, and promote your product, don't hire us. We're not the right people for you. But if you're seriously committed to having and being open and having an open conversation about 
what your sustainability goals are and what you're trying to do and what's working and what isn't. You know, obviously within reason, we're not saying put everything on the table. There are lots of things that are kind of commercially sensitive. But in your learnings and like your 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 outcomes, this we find tends to work the best. And I think it's about having a journey with that with that client, you know, and it's about building trust. So we start small and we work with them and then we take them on that journey. And I think as they start to work and we we work a lot with NGOs as well. And this is a place where I think NGOs are always super interested to kind of learn from corporates about what they're actually doing and what's working and what isn't and how they can collaborate. So taking them on that journey just step by step, you know, over a period of time and helping them to get comfortable with that. But we do find that when businesses are open, when they are honest, when they are willing to share the successes and the failures and being able to talk about that, they're the ones that really get the traction and they cut above all the other noise when we're talking about sustainability and consumers and all of us, right? When we feel much more um, akin to those brands that are kind of quite willing to put their hands up and say, you know what, we got it wrong. Yeah. And or we're finding this hard and we're, we're doing our best here. And I think businesses like Patagonia and there's a chocolate company called Tony's Chocoloni, which is here in, <laughs> in Europe, who are Sounds very... You know, have willingly put their hands up. I know the, the the chocolate company I mentioned. You know, they've looked into areas around um, child labour and human rights, and they've realised that some of the areas of their accountability have fallen short. And they put out a statement explaining that and saying what they're going to do to kind of get better. There, no one had found them out. It was just that they'd realised that this was a, a problem in their in their you know further scope three supply chain and then they kind of put that out there and I think those are the those are the businesses that you know we as consumers will have much more affinity with when Mm. when we're just being a bit more human about the realities I think so that's that's where we try and come at it from now obviously this is this is a very broad question so take 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 it with a grain of salt but how important is it for a brand in 2023 to have part of their message be their sustainability, uh, the s- sustainability of their brand, right? Because, like, I'm sure that, you know, with an automobile, that's going to be a, a, a bit of a deal because that's a, a consideration. Uh, with candy, it's not something I'd really think, you know, I go, okay, I, I don't want to eat unsustainable candy, right? But, uh, Clearly, that's a concern for many people, and maybe I'm underestimating the importance of this to the consumer. I'm not saying to the planet, but just to Joe Consumer going to the department store. Um, because, you know, it's like I live in Los Angeles. I think it's a place where people are probably more concerned with environmental things and stuff. But uh, I, I, I just wonder how much this translates worldwide, uh, or at least, you know to different parts of the country but i'm sorry i'm i maybe i'm going off on a tangent here but like what's the perspective on that realistically so i i think it's interesting i think it's a great point so i think that truly i think the majority of consumers are not directly focused necessarily on sustainability there's always going to be a portion of society and perhaps you know in certain regions you're absolutely right areas like california um you know places like you know london here and perhaps some of the the nordic countries and you know we we have 
perhaps a much a stronger pull. There will be other other regions that are perhaps less concerned. But I think that there is a general movement globally, um, give or take, where people are expecting more from their corporate businesses mm -hmm. than ever before. Mm -hmm. And they're expecting them to solve those problems. They don't necessarily want to get deep involved in the nitty gritty. They don't even necessarily feel like they need to, to do something directly, but through their purchasing power, when you, when you purchase a product, there is a growing level of expectation, I think, of all of us as, as kind of much more informed consumers that that business is going to be responsible, its, it's practices are going to be ethical, that it's going to treat its employees well, and that it's going to do what it needs to do in order to help protect the planet and the environment from on which it relies. And I think whether they whether they deeply think about this detail is another matter, but there is a level of growing expectation that businesses must do this as a baseline, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think more and more people are make, are expecting that of their of their companies, and indeed more of their you know policymakers and things. And I appreciate that's different for different uh, different regions and different parts of the world, you know. And I I realize it's a really mixed bag within the US as well in terms of you know where people sit on the fence of that and you're going to have a really interesting time ahead I guess over the next kind of 12 to 18 months and in, you know where the climate debate sits within that is going to be an interesting one. Yeah. I you know just personally I just think that there's a general arc towards understanding on this and it's slow moving you know it's like the old, the old idea of you know turning around a cruise ship, right? You know, it's going to take a little bit of time. But if you just look, it's like, you know, every year it seems two, three, four percent more people are concerned with these things when it was probably only 20% of everybody cared, you know, 30 years ago. So, you know, I think, I think the arc is towards people caring about sustainability. Hopefully it's not when it's, you know, too late. Um, but, uh, no, I think you're right. And I think, I think on that point, and it's a good one, you know, I was involved in bringing the first electric cars over to Europe. Mm. This was like back in 2010. And I remember vividly at the time, um, you know, bringing these vehicles over to Europe from Japan when I worked at Nissan. And people laughed at us. Like I went into meetings with, you know, very senior people from governments and things. And and they genuinely laughed at this product and they thought it was never going to work. And they said, look, it's nothing more than a, you know, a milk float. We used to years ago have these milk floats that were electric in, in the UK and, you know, they didn't go above three miles an hour. <laughs> so it, it was almost like a bit of a joke. And no one thought, well, I think lots of people didn't think that this was ever really going to happen. But actually, fast forward 13 years and actually these vehicles are starting to become part of the mainstream. But it is a slow burn, like you say. And you've got this dichotomy of, you know, we've got this 2050 goal of getting to net zero with the, with the SDG goals. And, you know, we don't have enough time, but equally it's taking time for people to come around and, and slowly maneuver to this kind of new way of thinking. So we've, we've got that challenge there, I think. Yeah. You know, it is so amazing just how things have changed positively. I mean, it, the funny thing is, it's like I drive an EV that's powered by the solar panels on my house. Right. And I'm not like some, you know, guy that walks around wearing hemp jewelry. That's like, you know, some kind of hippie, which which, you know, that would have been the perspective 
25 years ago, right? But now it's just actually, as a consumer, the smarter thing to do is I save money on gas through the car. Um, It drives really nice. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I save money on my electric bill by by the solar panels. Like, it's actually a win for me to be sustainable. And we've hit the tipping point that way. So uh, hopefully more people will come online with that. Um, But in a world where it seems that almost every company is talking about sustainability or what they're trying to do, it's like just an added part of the brand is is that message, or at least there's going to be something on the package that says, you know, um, organic or, you know, uh, how do companies create a message that cuts through? Because at a certain point when everybody's talking about it, it just becomes kind of background noise, right? Like it doesn't mean anything. It seems like it's something that they just kind of have to do. It's like one other sticker to stick on the package. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, so So you mentioned one point at the beginning around, you know, sustainability being a part of a business. A lot of the businesses that we work with, a lot of global corporates, the ones that are doing really well are the ones that embed sustainability right at the top. It comes from the CEO and the C-suite down. And it's not a it's not an add-on policy. It's not a side department. It is central and core to their overall business planning and, and plans for the future. Um, and so those are the ones that I tend to see have a really strong and powerful uh, message because I think it transcends all that they do and it's much more it's real and it's authentic and it, it's it enables the business decisions to be made in in a way that always considers people and planet as well but to answer your question in terms of like messages cutting through I think there's three key things firstly it's honesty and I know that that goes without saying but you know it, it it's true and I think the point I made earlier about it's, it's honesty and it's all its forms. So it's the good and the bad and feeling, you know, and being willing to kind of share both and give that balance because in the difficulty is the learning. And the more we can share about the learnings that we have around the work we're doing on sustainability to transition to net zero, whether you're a manufacturer or a, or a clothing brand or whatever you might be, being able to share those, the, the good and the bad, it's, it's the learning that really helps one another. So I think making sure that that's there. I think secondly, it's about practical action. Mm-hmm. And we really encourage our clients to really think about, like, let's, let's not just talk about commitments here. Let's not, let's not just talk about the positive. Let's talk about the practical action. So what is it that you are doing in your business now that is making a difference? And then let's talk about that and let's tell that story. And actually, these are the these are the great case studies that bring sustainability to life, and it enables the rest of us to go, oh, okay, I get it, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, so I think those practical stories that we can build as kind of PR professionals, but based on action, I think is incredibly important. And then finally, it's about being able to measure these things in a in a in a clear way. And I think when it comes to measuring for businesses, it's so important that they look for third party reputable organizations, whether it be an NGO or a good consulting firm to be able to audit that measurability and also kind of state the progress of how you're getting on and check that year on year, month on month. And I've also seen really good businesses do this also internally to have their own systems to kind of calculate how they are doing month on month and give that access to all of their senior management so they can also see how they are 
progressing against their targets internally. So I think it's the three things, honesty, practical action, and measurability. Wow, great. Thank you. That's a perfect answer. Um, So you talk to a lot of people through your podcast, uh, Leaders Live. Um, Yeah. What's the most exciting transformation you hear that's happening in businesses right now in regards to net zero? So I think one of the things that comes across a lot and I'm seeing, and I think it's truly exciting, is, is this notion of collaboration in a way that we have never seen before when it comes to business and corporates. So, you know, we are used to the way the way that the system works is, you know, we're all in competition with each other. It's my product versus your product. Um, and I think what is changing, what we're seeing change is this uh, willingness for greater collaboration, not just within a sector um, to try and find solutions for your sector, but actually looking way beyond mm. and the collaborations that happen between different companies, you know, be it a, a brewing company, um, starting to collaborate with a big tech company that's then working with a, as part of that, working with a small um, civil society type organization like a, like a workers union to find a solution together on a particular challenge. And these are really a different way of working for for corporates. And I think it's super exciting. And I think it's a willingness for these big companies are now actively seeking small startups who have found just a tiny solution to a particular problem that they can bring in and nurture and help grow in return for this kind of collaboration to kind of help them on a much bigger problem. And this, I think for me, is one of the most exciting elements that are coming out of this challenge around sustainability, this this spirit of collaboration. And I, and I paint it like a real positive picture, and I think it is. But um, I, I think more businesses are, are clocking on to the fact that they're not going to solve these problems alone. Uh, they may not even be able to solve them within their own industry. And actually, lots of solutions are going to come from way outside of where they're usually operating in. And I think that, for me is going to have a macro impact in terms of how businesses operate and interact in the future. So that for me is is the most exciting thing I think is kind of coming out at the moment. Nice. So, you know, the funny thing I was going to ask you next, what makes you optimistic that we can get to net zero? But I think you just answered my question. Well, I think, you know, and I think that's a big part of it. I think, you know, this spirit of collaboration where businesses are willing to do that, you know, you start to see a real acceleration in certain areas. So I'm, I'm, I am optimistic. I think it's so easy in, our, in the world that we live in at the moment, you know, with everything that's going on, you know, it can be really doom and gloom. But I think what we don't hear and what we don't see is all of this great activity that's happening. And uh, uh, that momentum that you spoke about earlier that I, th- I truly believe is happening. We, yes, we need more of it. And yes, we don't have much time. Um, but I don't think the way in which we move forward is making us all feel bad about the fact that, you know, we're not doing, you know, we're not doing enough or, you know, that this is such a monumental problem. The only way we're going to do this is through taking a, a, a realistic but positive outlook to move forward together. And I think that's, that's why I feel optimistic we will get to, to net zero by 2050. Awesome. Well, 
after speaking with you, I feel a lot better about it. Um, Good. <laughs> how can everyone else uh, follow what you're working on, Helen, whether it's uh, HN Communications or Leaders Live podcast? Uh, where do our listeners go to follow your journey and to help you out? Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, look, I would, um, I'm most active on LinkedIn and I'm always posting on LinkedIn and I, I like to try and offer, you know, as much advice as I can. And people are very uh, able to DM me and ask me any questions that they like. If I can help give some advice or uh, some thoughts and feedback, I try and put all of my content out on LinkedIn and make that as, as easily accessible for everyone as possible. Well, thank you so much for coming on PR360 and uh, we'd love to have you uh, come back sometime in the future. Thanks so much for having me, Todd. It's great to meet you. Great. Thank you. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.